Are we in? Is that was that the way the music was stopping? Is that what was happening with the music? Yes. That was very. Um, man, we are nothing but uh, not professional with our uh, with our uh, production. It's not their fault. I, I won't buy them equipment. That uh, is your are your headphones not working, Joe? Not getting the volume. You're not getting the volume here, okay? Um, if I'm supposed, oh, I get some right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe was. you're only only getting your left ear. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Maybe you're getting older. Nice. And you can only hear through your left ear. That's all I need. Speaking to my good ear. That's all I need. Okay. Uh, you are. Uh, we are back. You are listening to this American podcast, comedy edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. I'm Tony Visick, and we are uh, pleased as punch. We are uh, uh, happy as uh, as we can be that we have in studio with us a very funny man, Joe Zimmerman. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and it's your first time in Phoenix? Pretty much, yeah. I, I passed through here about six years ago on a little tour with the Beards of Comedy, and we did some random rock club bar with, you know, 10 people attending. Yeah. Six years ago. So, I, but, yeah, drove the next day 10 hours to the next place. So, I this is my first time to actually experience Phoenix. Are you enjoying yourself? I am. I like that uh, <laughs> I arrived in uh, that area near House of Comedy. The buildings just spray you with mist. Yes. Is that a, that's does every and people just yeah that's just yeah we just get misted here. There's we get just, misty. The building just sprays us down, and that's how things work. Yeah, that's uh, it's so hot that we go. We're just gonna we're gonna rain on you. That's funny. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, I, I I when I first started coming here and I. People were talking about misters. Uh-huh. You know, I knew a guy one time was talking about goes, I'm gonna invest in misters, and I'm going, I don't understand what this means. I didn't know invest? what they were. Wow, I didn't know I didn't even think about that as an investment. Well, if you think about it, yeah. they, they, there's gotta be a machine that sure. missed you yeah. and someone has to make that machine and uh-huh. then you sell the machine. Water, somebody's making this water. Someone's making water, someone's someone's uh, yeah. uh someone's toting the water. Big business in the misters. Yeah, <laughs> Not there Get actually is. That, uh, yeah, a lot of money in misters. <laughs> I got one word for you, misters. I thought you were going to say plastics. New movie, <laughs> misters. That's great. Yeah. Some ba- some Phoenix based movie. Yeah. Mister, Mister. So on misters, yeah. Mister, Mister. But you grew up in uh, West Virginia. I did. I grew up in uh, Mountain State. I've uh, I've spent time in West Virginia. Oh, cool. Uh, you sound totally different from anyone I've ever met <laughs> well, from West Virginia. I'm trying to think, what, which part of West Virginia did you spend time in? Uh, the part where people stared at you like they were going to eat you. I don't know. I went on a tour there. Uh, you, were, you were in Bluefield, West Virginia? I may, I may have been. I know, yeah. I know both times that I toured West Virginia, I somehow started out somewhere outside of Alexandria, Virginia, uh-huh. and just worked my way through. Yeah. You know? it's, it's actually hard for me to even do a West Virginia accent because... In the west, in the north, in northwest Virginia, it sounds kind of like a Pittsburgh accent, uh-huh. which is a difficult accent yeah. to do. And then southwest Virginia, it's like you're in the deep south. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was there, I yeah. was there, and uh, it was a lot. They they wouldn't laugh. They would just go wee huh. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, hey, man, hey man, you ain't from around here, is yeah, you? Yeah, but I you know, know it's a, I I grew up in a little town in Missouri, so I would actually find a way to. I'd go right back to that real quick. Oh, Hell, right. I'm from Missouri myself. You know, <laughs> <laughs> please let me live. Please let me live. I'm just trying to tell jokes. That's funny. Um, but you, like I said, you don't you don't have the uh, you don't have an accent. You you sound like a smart person. Oh, geez. Well, I'm not saying you are a smart person, Joe. Smart. I I mean I do get that a lot. <laughs> Your accent sounds <laughs> smart. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you do a <laughs> podcast yourself that has to do with comedy and uh, and the science? I have a yeah, I have a comedy podcast called Universe City, where we take 
I, I just like pop science. I just like reading that stuff. Yeah. So we take a sci- a new study, and then discuss mm. it. Try to try to discuss it in a comedy way. Such yeah. as you, you can you give us give us a little taste, man. Ooh, a taste. Let's see. Bust us off a piece. Well, did if you, you can, know, I got one for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were studying some monkeys, right? Monkeys. Ar- already interesting. I like monkeys. Um, and they were just studying whether monkeys could learn how to use money. They taught them a coin system where the monkeys learned to use this coin to buy a grape and the more valuable coin to buy um, – no, no. Monkeys love grapes. They use the big coin to buy grapes and the small coin to buy, uh, like, carrots. First off, I've already learned something that yeah. I didn't know. Monkeys, monkeys yeah. love grapes. That's like their candy. You know how fruit yeah. fruit was our original candy, apparently? Anyway. Back a hundred thousand years ago. Anyway, so <laughs> fruit loops. So monkeys love grapes. They're, so they buy more coins for grapes. Anyway, there's two separate monkey places. One with the bank. One where the monkeys lived. And there was a. <laughs> I'm describing this so precisely. Uh, so there was a jailbreak. They didn't. The monkeys the, broke out. Somehow the door o- was open. All the monkeys broke into the bank. There was a jailbreak, and the scientists didn't mean for that to happen. And. Uh, so <laughs> as soon as the monkeys got a hold of the money, the first thing they did was immediately turn to prostitution, just right away. <laughs> <laughs> just like within seconds. So uh, it was coins for... <laughs> coins for, <laughs> for monkey sex? Yes. So and, uh, and they couldn't, they were, they were nervous to publish it because they felt like they had done some ethic, you know, something ethically wrong. <laughs> So they, well, they, it wasn't like the scientists had become prostitutes. Right. That would be ethically wrong if you're trading science for sexual favors. Sure. <laughs> hey, I'm going to solve that equation for you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of good monkey stuff. Monkeys are alcoholics in the same portion as humans. Mm-hmm. There's some drunk monkeys in the Caribbean that just steal alcoholic beverages. and uh, you, know, you know a lot about monkeys. Well, you're deep in the paint. This, I, you know. I'm t- this science podcast, you know, it's, there's a lot of monkey research. Would you agree on. with this that oftentimes great dis- discoveries in science are uh, come out of uh, complete? Like we did not know that monkeys were whores until they yeah. were trying to find out if monkeys could uh, uh, differentiate money. A lot of great, yeah, right. A lot of discoveries come accidentally. Right? Viagra was originally Pfizer looking for heart pills. Heart pills, yeah. Yeah. Uh, LSD, uh, they were looking for a cure for the common cold. I did not know that. That's, uh, uh, Sandoz was an actual guy in Sweden uh-huh. at a company, and he was looking for a cure for a cold and uh, came up with the uh, with your LSD. And he, he felt cured when he yeah. found that. You do feel cured. <laughs> have you ever taken that, the LSD? I have not tried the LSD, the no. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah. Uh, how is it? Uh, I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> you sound like you. Uh, I did a lot <laughs> when I was young. A lot? Yeah, nice. I did. Uh, 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 as a side note, my uh, uh, my wife and producer Shirley and I, um, it, I tell you one of the reasons she's such a wonderful wife. <laughs> no, she didn't do it. But she's let me drag her to her like her fourth or fifth Dead and Company show uh-huh. in San Diego oh, in a couple yeah. of weeks. I'm going to see Dead, the, which is an offshoot of the Grateful Dead. Because now who is it? It's it's the uh, original uh, the original two drummers and the original rhythm guitarist. Yeah. And then John May- Mayer on lead guitar. Okay, how and, do you like that? Uh, it, you know, it's a good show. Cool. It's a good show. But so I've been a deadhead for a long time. First time I saw The Grateful Dead was in 1970. First time I did LSD was on Halloween night, 1970. <laughs> I was 13. Thir- no, I was 15. Okay. I was 15. My little brother was 13. He was with me. He said, if I didn't give him some, he would tell mom I wasn't about to get in trouble. 
So and about a half hour in, he goes, no, this is LSD we're doing, right? Not acid, because I don't want to do acid. <laughs> so I did a lot of it. So the, the, the most drugged I've ever felt was um, really high off of a strong pot brownie. Yeah. So high. How does that compare to LSD? Well, um, the LSD in those days, in those days, was so powerful. Uh-huh. Uh, if you really study the history of LSD and how it became part of our pop, pop culture phenomena, was um, a guy named Owsley and a guy named Robert Hunter answered an ad when they were in San Francisco uh, for a medical experiment, like people will do nowadays, we're testing a new drug. And what it was, it was secretly the CIA that was testing LSD to see if they could use it as mind control. Whoa. And Robert, cool. Robert Hunter and Owsley really liked it. Robert Hunter became the main lyricist for The Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And Owsley became a chemist and sound engineer. And then they got together with uh, the great writer uh, Ken Kesey, and they did the acid test in San Francisco. LSD was legal. People started enjoying themselves, so the government made it illegal. Owsley made something like a million hits sometime in the late 60s with the belief that he could dose the whole country and change the entire culture. Really? We did that acid. It would take you to shapes, sounds, colors, patterns you'd never seen or heard before. And then somebody at some point decided it wasn't healthy. Well, it, it, it started getting weaker, and it's it's not as it, there's no money in acid. It was two bucks a hit. Oh, you had twelve hour trip for two bucks. Well, now I know why it's not more prevalent. <laughs> That's right. There's no Capitalism. money. Capitalism. Pot brownies, and as I understand it, I haven't smoked pot in three decades. Okay. But as I understand it, marijuana has gotten much stronger. So you could tell us about that with your brownie. Well, oh, so I meant to say it was pot chocolate. It, it was mm. one. Of, it was one of those California. Totally different. One of those California chocolate bars. Uh-huh. And yeah, they come um, uh, insanely strong. I took a little bite. I took a little bite. This this lady gave me a bite of pot chocolate, and then the next thing I know, I was just limping across the hotel, just dragging my foot. And my friend was like, "What's wrong with you?" I was like, "Nothing." <laughs> Did you hallucinate? Yeah, I, I've never had that before. I was. Um, I was. I got in my hotel bed, and I was shivering. My friend told me the next day that that means you were having a panic attack. Yeah. But, but your, your body was just shivering. I was like, I'm so cold. I kept throwing blankets on, blankets on, and and I got to a point where I thought maybe I, somebody had snuck acid into the pot chocolate. Uh huh. Because I didn't understand why I felt so. You knew you. Up. You knew you were taking pot chocolate. You hadn't been dosed. Right. It I wasn't that. a surprise. No, no, but I was surprised by how I was feeling. Do you smoke a lot of pot? No. No? So I, I, I got to that special place where I was like, I should call 911 to let them know that I ate too much pot. <laughs> 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 but I, I was like, no, I can't do that because then I'm going to be, then, then they're going to put that call on YouTube and then I'm going to be that guy. You'll be that guy, you know, the popular. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, acid was so prevalent in the city, and uh, I grew up in the greater St. Louis area, uh-huh. and there was actually, actually an organization called Acid Rescue. Oh, wow. 645-2500 in the 31. But you, we didn't need area codes. I still remember the phone number. Acid Rescue. 645-2500. Yeah. I feel like it should have been 645-ACID or yeah. something. It, well, they, they, they weren't thinking that way commercially. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. If you're having a bad trip, man, you know, on FM radio, the DJ go. Listen, man, if you're tripping tonight, it's going bad. Don't freak out. Call Acid Rescue. Oh, I needed that. Yeah. Yeah, you needed that. Instead, all you had was 911. <laughs> Can I help you? <laughs> Are you shot? <laughs> no, I think somebody. But you didn't call 911. Oh, no. I just, I just laid there shivering. I just laid there shivering and, uh, and eventually went to sleep. 
And uh, my buddy told me the next day, he was like, oh, yeah, you just got really high. That's all that is. So it wasn't a pleasant experience for you? No. No. Yeah. So how many more times did you do it after that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, end up, I end up smoking pot about twice a year. Yeah? Yeah. Just like on special occasions? It just happens. A kid's birthday? Can't explain it, you know? Yeah. Do you so have children? I don't have kids. I, I've, I'm at that age where, you know, I'm sp- people, all my friends have kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm very undecided because on the one hand, when I see a baby, I've never been like, I need that. You know what uh-huh. I mean? But on the other hand, it does sound kind of fun to just create some little people who have to hang out with me. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. really like you if you don't hit them. Right. That's sure. the trick. Just don't yeah. hit them and they'll really like you. You know? Uh, Sounds great. How old are you? 34? You're 34. Yeah. It may be high time. You have kids? Uh, I do. Yeah. I have a uh, I have a grown adult daughter uh-huh. who's uh, well she's 26. Sure. And then uh, through the miracle of marriage, okay, I have uh, two what you consider stepdaughters uh-huh. uh, who are in their 30s, and they both and one has a, a son and one has a daughter. So I got two little grandkids that come over to the house all the time, oh, and nice. uh, it's a wing dang doodle of a time. Yeah. For me, it's fun. You know, <laughs> I enjoy it. You know, they uh, and they know me well. They were aggravating me in a pool so much one day when I was tired, and uh, I, I started to say something, and the seven-year-old goes, all right, all right, any minute he's going to go, okay, that's it. <laughs> and then she stared at me. Like, she knew the trajectory of how much it took to aggravate me before I actually got mad. And, yeah. they, and then they both laughed like hell. So, um, and you got to enjoy that. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, do you live with them? Um, do you have a wife? Um, I'm currently single. I did the breakup about a year ago. Uh. I haven't been married. Um, I yeah, I'm single. New York City. Uh, I tried the, I tried going on the uh, those uh, dating apps. You know the face swiping apps. Yeah, Tinder. Yeah, just to boost my confidence. You know, yeah. it did not boost my confidence. Didn't because people. Um, I didn't realize how important the face was to attraction. <laughs> did you guys know this? The face. It's, <laughs> you're just looking. You're just looking at people's faces. Yeah. That's all you You're see. deciding on a face. And then you say yes or no based on their face, and uh, which means they're saying yes or no based on my face. Yeah. I never thought of my face as amazing, you know? Yeah. It just never occurred to me that it might be a deterrent. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you're saying maybe you needed, like, hire a stand-in. Yeah. Or, you know, I just wish... A honestly, stunt double. A face double. I just wish that people had told me the face was so important. Like, you, you meet a girl at a bar, and she just tells you right, right up front. Hey, your face, you know. <laughs> I, no I mean, one says that to you. Uh, nobody tells on you one. about your face to your face. Yeah. They always say something else like, oh, you know, I got a boyfriend. Like, I, <laughs> when I had a crush on a girl in college, I was like, oh, man. And she, she didn't go for me. I was like, man, I got to improve my fashion, improve my intelligence. I got to read more. I got to take up guitar. <laughs> I got to step up my game. <laughs> If I had known it was just my dumb face, I could have relaxed. I could have relaxed. Oh, it's a face. I'll just chill. I don't want to. Re- I don't want to read all these books. I think the only. T- <laughs> I think the only time someone tells you that they don't like your face when you get ready to hit it, like you're at some drunken oh, party yeah. and someone goes, "You know what? I don't like your face." Well, t- <laughs> well, that's not what Julia said on <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> you take that back. We were talking about uh, euphemisms for someone uh, being um, uh, weight challenged. You know, and one southern one I used to hear if someone was trying to fix you up with someone who was maybe uh, couldn't should miss a few meals. You go, well, tell me what she looks like. And you go, well, she's got a pretty face. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and she got and she, her smile just lights up a room. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> lights up a room. Yeah. 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 So I mean, cause some of that plays into it too. So you you so you live in New York City. I do. You strike me as uh, uniquely unaffected by New York City. You don't. Oh. You don't have the. Uh, you don't. You don't seem homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like it. Like uh, generally, when you travel, people all have a, a New York point of reference. Like m- most people have been to New York at some point. Sure. Um, so it's fun to be somewhere where everybody has something, some to say about it. But. Uh, a lot of times people will just say, New York, is it hard? <laughs> are you making it? I'm like, why are you shaking your head at me? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're shaking their head no one going, are you making it? So, like, you're not making it. Yeah, like, when I moved to New York from Asheville, North Carolina, I remember people being like, yeah, no, it's good to, it's good to try that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why are you... <laughs> Why are you consoling me before I've even gone? Do you live in the city proper? I live right outside the city proper in Astoria, Queens. Yeah, okay. And, uh, actually, I don't think New York's hard at all. There's 10 million people there, which okay. means there's the most people. By the numbers, it's the easiest place to live. You know, It would be hard to live on Bear Island, Alaska, <laughs> where there's just one dude and a thousand bears. That would be hard. But New York, like... There's a thousand restaurants on every street corner. Uh-huh. And uh, they have Seamless there. Have you heard of Seamless? Seamless. No, I have not. Seamless is this website that's like prevalent in New York. It's like as popular as Facebook in New York. Hey, can let me ask you a question. Is it preva- you say prevalent. I've often said prevalent. Is it if, oh. if I've been mispronouncing it my entire life? I think both sound correct to me. Maybe I'm mispronouncing it. Pre- prevalent. I like prevalent more. I'm gonna start I, I think I heard it on a British sitcom, and that's why. You know what it was? I think maybe I combined prevalent with pervasive because I mean the same thing. So, yeah, so seamless is not only pervasive, it's also prevalent. Prevalent. And, and, therefore, and therefore prevailing. And it's prevailing. <laughs> it's definitely prevailing. <laughs> prevailing. All right, so tell us about seamless. Well, I'm sorry. So you just go online. I get a lot of acid. You just go online on your computer. You type okay. in any kind of food you want. What do you want? Cheese. I like cheese. Cheese. Okay. It shows you a hundred restaurants that can deliver cheese to you, and you just click in the cheese that you want, and press purchase because your credit card's already in there, and uh, and then there's cheese at your door. And they bring you cheese in thirty minutes. Now let me ask you this though. Okay, see, one of the things I loved about New York when I used to stay there, other than cheese, uh, uh, great cheese in New York. Oh, by the way, can I have one? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's for you. You know what? That is your water. Oh, thank you. Okay, that is uh, the, the one on the other side is not your water. That mm-hmm. is yours. Was that there were great restaurants to go to? What I love about New York is I I saw no reason to stay in my room. You know, there was just too much to do outside. Yeah, right. So when I hear about the popularity of all these delivery services, I go. You're actually kind of like missing. You might as well be living on Bear Island if they would deliver. Right. Do you go out a lot or are you an in-the-room guy? Oh, no. So, yeah, I mean, you go out a lot in New York. Yeah. Um, but it is so crowded that every now and then it's nice to just lay in your bed yeah. na- naked and let the let the food come to you. <laughs> Do you have to put pants on to get the food? or No, you just crack the door. Not in New York. Yeah. And grab the bag. Yeah, they know you're naked. Yeah, yeah. They got it figured out. Oh, they know. So Seamless will deliver you, is it just food or, or a, it's just food. A, a wide variety of, 
if I needed like a, a ratchet to fix something. Well, that you could just do Amazon Prime. Yeah, and that'll and come. That'll come in twenty four hours yeah. as well. See, I know that I'm. I know that I'm getting into my more emeritus years when I have I have not yet used an Uber or a Lyft. Oh. Nor have I used Amazon Prime. Well, so you don't need Uber or Lyft in Phoenix if you have a car. Yeah. Right? So unless you, you drink. Unless you drink. Yeah, I think Uber and Lyft. Uh, Rob, our intern sitting behind you, is a Lyft driver. Oh, who uh, the to get some drunks. The yeah. majority of his uh, the majority of his customers are drunk. Sure. Yeah. So th- it's big here for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I haven't used any of these services, and I feel. I feel like someone going, I don't know about these airplanes. I'll take the train. I don't recommend Uber to somebody with a car. Yes. However, I do think you should give Amazon Prime a shot. You'll be blown away. Do you know what I'm afraid of? You'll be blown away. I, know, I, I believe I will. Here's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> is that uh, I've become, you know, I, I lived in New York at one time. I lived on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood. I traveled the country. But now I live in a house outside of Phoenix that I like very much. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you know, we don't live in Phoenix proper. Um I don't see that many people anymore. I've become more more secluded, and I'm afraid if I get something like that, I'll just never see anybody again. Oh, that's true. You I'll never, like disappear. Yeah, that's why I won't use it yet. That's a good point. You won't, you don't have to leave your house. If I don't have to leave the house, I'll never leave. Yeah. I mean, we sometimes we could do this show from the house. Although we're going on uh, today, I, I can make this announcement now, can I, show? Okay. Uh, we've uh, we're working out a deal, and it should be in mid-August. We're not only will we be doing this show. But we'll also be uh, have our own show on uh, AM 1260 today's comedy, called Comedy Club in the Morning. Heck yeah! Yeah. So uh, and so we leave the house to do this show, but I actually have things in my I, pr- I promote shows where I can set them up. Where I don't even have to be at the show because I'm not if I'm not in the show and I've got it all set up and I got someone hired. And I call them up and go, "How many people? Put the money in the bag. Put the bag in the bank." <laughs> Yeah. So I'm afraid if you're, I do Amazon Prime, I'll disappear. You're the Wizard of Oz. You behind the curtain, behind pulling the, uh, the strings. Yeah. A lot of people accuse me of that more ways than one. So <laughs> a lot of people accuse me of being Frank Morgan. So uh, that's who played the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> good, a great good character reference. actor who was in many movies out of uh, that era. No, uh, you pulled it. It's like coming from somebody that did a lot of LSD. Yes. Knows the all about Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes. I never watched Wizard of Oz tripping. Because I thought okay. that I thought that there would be the bridge too far, because the yeah. people I knew who dropped acid and then watched Wizard, there was a, there was a theory, and we actually I, I owned a comedy club one time and I got talked into doing this and selling tickets for it, uh-huh. where you showed the Wizard of Oz without the sound and through your sound system you played Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. I've heard of this. Yeah, and supposedly they were perfectly synced up. Yeah. Although if you're slightly high at all. Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon makes it'll make it'll make sense with Mayberry RFD. It'll make sense with the with the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. But these people were convinced of that. We should do that. What would be the modern best movie synced up with the modern coolest mm. song? It would be like Kanye over Star Wars or something. Yeah, you know that might be good. Oh, this Kanye syncs up with Star Wars: The New Force. Any Beyonce um, uh, CD over an X Men movie? Oh, that would—I would guarantee that would sync up. <laughs> uh, th- oh, uh, oh, oh, oh! <laughs> 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 would they be fighting during crazy right now? That's the last Beyonce song I actually—I ran a marathon to that song. So uh, sure. Uh, well, you yeah, d- you did twenty-six miles. I did twenty-six. I did the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, I did it. I said I wanted to do it. Well, four and a half hours. No, no, it was—it was. You know, I'm not a runner. Okay, I've got a younger brother who is a runner, 
but for me it was a little over six. I don't know how much. I don't know how long it takes. Four and a half hours is like that. That's like that's fast. Yeah, that's Sorry. like you're you're a running dude. Yeah, you know. I, but now you know it's a it's a little it's not a pet peeve. But if you tell people you ran a marathon, they won't leave it at fantastic. They want to know the time. Yeah. How, and what time are you doing it? Because <laughs> because if they haven't ran a marathon, they they can't deal with that. He ran a marathon. I never did. So they got to have your time. Sure. And if the time's not impressive, they go, well, yeah, he ran it, but it took him like forever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's my next question, because I ran a marathon, and it's like... Did you run a marathon? Yeah, you want to know. No, no, I just... Somebody that... You're saying you ran a marathon. I and, did. And for some reason, the next question is, wants to know your time, because I just want to picture how fast you can run 26 miles. I'm more, I ran it when I was 50. Uh-huh. So a number of years ago, and in Arizona sounds impressive. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, see, once again, this the, my, my my one monumental feat. You were just cutting the legs out. It was in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and it was raining when we started. Oh, well, <laughs> so it's raining. It was 2005, Los Angeles, raining. You know, the sad thing is, my brother, who is a mar- I've got a younger brother who's two years younger, who's a marathon runner, uh-huh. and. He was almost fell asleep waiting for me to finish. He'd finished. He went and had a meal. I think he saw a movie, you know, <laughs> changed a tire. And they're like, hey, you made it. But he, he's my brother. He knew me well enough not to go. That took a long time because I'm his older brother and I could still hit him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like to picture that he saw you start the race. Yeah. And then he just felt like he had to go straight to the finish line and just wait for, did. F- for five hours. <laughs> just like, I can't leave. I got to see. Not quite five, okay? <laughs> see this? <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. About a half hour in, he goes, Tone, Tone, okay, I'll meet you. At sp- I got to go, man. Because he became like one of those time guys and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, he's a really cool guy. He's an art professor. And, oh, um, cool. Um, so uh, I think he drew, I think he made a couple paintings, did a mural on a, on a city bus, did a lot of things. He got married and divorced while he was waiting for me. Yeah, but, then yeah. I, but I did finish it. I have the medal. I had a guy one time who actually looked up my time. Oh. Because you can go on, because all the times are listed of every marathon ever done in the world. Yeah. And came back and went, uh, I know exactly how long you went. I thought, what kind of obsessive weirdness is this? I am excited. Well, I have one more question to cut you down. My, my time was slower than Oprah's. Let me put that. <laughs> <laughs> you know Oprah's time? Yeah. I, I know when I heard it, I go, shit, that was better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question to cut you down. What, okay, good. what Do Thank you remember you. what place you finished? Uh, right in front of Staples Center in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it was right there. I remember thinking, wow, if I had more energy, I could go catch a basketball game tonight. Well, I'm excited for the Summer Olympics for a similar event. Which is? Men's long-distance speed walking. You know, and tell me why. <laughs> why in God's name? I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm looking forward Because it only comes it. every four years. Yes. And it's five hours long. Yes. And it's televised for five hours, <laughs> which means you get to hear two commentators struggling <laughs> so hard to think of anything to say for five hours. Because it's just 50 dudes walking together. There's no separation. But it's speed walking. Yeah. Which is different than right. Have you ever tried to speed walk? I, I can't say that I have. You I've tried to walk quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slightly I've been, I've been late before. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slightly different deal. Sure. Because you're doing that. You know, you know what you look like when you're speed walking? You look like you are an extra in a Charlie Chaplin film from 1912. 
Okay. Because yeah. it's that same sort of movement, almost sort of cartoonish movement. Yeah, a lot of hip swivel. A lot of hip swivel, a lot of arm, a lot of arm action. You yeah. know, uh, a lot of fist balled, fist pumping arm action. Sure. So it looks funny. So it's funny, but you're looking far. Have you ever watched it before? Yeah. So <laughs> every four years. So, and I'm blown away because one guy will get a, start to get a lead, right? Yes. He's like five paces ahead of the pack. <laughs> and the announcers get excited. They're like, wow, Vladimir Platonikov is really pulling away. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody can catch him at this point in the race <laughs> with only three hours of walking left to go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like it's not like a guy's like walking around eating a sandwich, looking at his watch, staring at buildings. They are intent on oh, yeah. walking. They gotta announce. You know what the you know what the uh, the lure of speed walking is, don't you? I I'm curious. Okay. That it looks like something you could do. Oh. It's often the lure of many things. It's the yeah. lure of stand-up comedy. Why so many people uh, attempt stand-up oh. comedy? It's just a guy talking. That's funny. You go up there. What you talk about at work? You know how you make fun of the way the one guy farts and stuff. Go up and talk about that. Those speedwalkers are out there. Like, I'd like to see you get out here and try this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't come to. I don't come into your job and tell you you can't walk fast. <laughs> You know, you should start out maybe on a night where it's just where you only walk five minutes. You know, get some friends down to support you, you know, and just walk for five minutes. That's how I'd start until you find your own walk. It's important you find your own yeah, walk. You gotta, yeah, you got to find your stride. See, what you're doing, man, is you just ripped off another dude's walk. <laughs> I was watching you walking, man, and you're doing, you're doing like Kennison's walk. Yeah, That's yeah. what you're doing, man. Do your own walk. I'm not do. I've never even seen Kennison walk. <laughs> this he, is my, he prowls. I just came up. This was parallel walking. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who that is, man. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't like see a video of Kennison a long time ago? You were a kid and you forgot walking. It, it's just it's just weird the way you scream when you walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just strange. Yeah. Like, oh, oh! Every time you take a step. Oh, oh, oh! I got a bad hip. <laughs> This guy's, you know, this guy over here is... You know, I can see why your spirit animal is the crow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why can you... Because I'm I'm what? (laughs) It's true. Because you have this look in your eye, like you're going to peck my eyes out any moment. That's why. I took that spirit animal quiz obviously apparently you saw my bit i did uh, no i i know what i just pulled it out of the out of the air <laughs> out of the ether I, i'm looking at you because i have a little uh, like like elizabeth warren i have some native american in me uh-huh. and uh i just pulled it down out of the ether yeah i go he is the you are the crow <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you take these spirit animal quizzes online and uh so man's a crow, and then I ended up researching crows, uh-huh. which turns out to be a smart bird. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any fun crow facts. Groups of crows are called murders. I I remember what I thought was the most interesting uh-huh. one, but but go on, and we'll see if you. Um, they hold grudges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. They remember specific human faces. That's the one. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Your, your crow knows you. So if you're ever mean, if you're ever like, if there's a crow in your backyard and you shoo him off. Yeah. Not only is he going to remember you, he's going he's gonna to hold a grudge against you. <laughs> and he's going to tell his crow friends, he's like, yo, that dude shooed me off. And they're like, what? <laughs> and then they tell their crow friends. And now you have a thousand crows that are just like mad at you. And the bait, 
and they communicate to the the baby crows can even grow up. This is how smart they are. The baby crows grow up, and they're like, "I hate him." <laughs> <laughs> they pass it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it makes sense if you've ever lived in a rural area and you're from West Virginia. I'm assuming that you lived in a somewhat rural or suburban area. Uh, mine was a. I pr- I happen to live in a college town. In the heart of the city in West Virginia. <laughs> I lived in a college town, so kind of an, a neighborhood right outside the college. Because crows can be a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. If you have a garden or anything, a yard, and if you do shoo them off, they do come back. They can they can aggravate you, so that a- makes absolute sense. I read a story, there's a reverse, too, where there's this little girl, I think in Oregon, who leaves food out for the crows in her neighborhood. Yeah. And they do the reverse. They love her, and they bring her presents. The crow will protect her. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> she, she's collected all the things they've brought. They've brought her, like, earrings they found. Yeah. Um, and the only flip side of that is the, the neighbors hate her because there's just a thousand crows, crows. constantly around their house. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see, like, that old guy in a park? Have you ever been in a park where it would be, like, an old guy, and he's got bird seed, and he's got, got a hat? And I used to, I used That's to, me in the future. Yeah, where he's like putting all the bird seed in his hat and let the birds land on his hat and eat it. Yeah. There used to be a guy in a park in uh, Hollywood, near West Hollywood, where I used to live. They used to do that. And I used to, I'd be waiting for the bus because things were going well. And um, yeah. there was not even a bus. I was just waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> like waiting for Godot, only it was waiting for the rapid transit. And uh, I would watch this guy and he would just put bird seed all over his body and let the oh. birds eat it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to find out what his motivation is. <laughs> Uh, well, he put his face on Tinder, uh-huh. <laughs> and it wasn't working too well. <laughs> so you grew up in a college town. I'm going to assume that uh, your parents were not the custodians in the t- at the uh, college. Perhaps you you come from uh, you, you did you come from educated people? I uh, wow, you're good. My mom is a music professor. Ah, teaches music at WVU. My dad teaches creative writing. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, when your mom, when you say your mom was a music professor, uh, are we talking about classical music? She wasn't like teaching one of those like uh, uh, Tupac as literature, that, like they have at oh, Harvard. No. She wasn't one of those hip music teachers. Yeah. No. She was actually teaching music teachers. So, any if you ever had a music teacher in elementary school, uh, I, I I did. She was teaching them. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so teach them, here's how you get the kid to bang on the triangle, that sort of thing? Yeah, so, like, I remember one of her main lessons when I was a kid, I would sit in on her classes sometimes, because uh-huh. I guess we didn't have a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> Big money! And there was a lot of scarf lessons, like, you just, people just play around with silk scarves to teach mm-hmm. to teach movement. I guess yeah, that's a big move. thing with yeah. kids, is to give them scarves, and then they learn how to move in a coordinated fashion. Sounds very Waldorfian. Yeah. Um, do you know about that that school of teaching? Wal- Waldorf. I, I don't. I know Orf. I don't. Carl. Orf. No, it's Waldorf. I, it's oh, I don't know Waldorf. Because uh, they teach a lot of that sort of thing. Oh, cool. But so your mother was a music professor, and your father yeah. was a creative writing professor. Yeah. And yet you are don't do song parodies. <laughs> I think I would be pretty good at song parodies. There's a hole in my bucket. Nothing like that. You know. <laughs> I think I you think probably would be very I think good. My second calling was weird. It was weird owl type calling. Do you uh, do you play a musical instrument? I learned guitar, um, and I enjoyed it. Except people would say things like, "Oh, guitar, great way to get women." Yeah, and I think that messed me up because first of all, 
guitar is not a great way to get women. Maybe if you're the best at guitar. Yeah. Maybe if you're in the top one percent. But I've never heard a woman be like, you know what I like in a guy? Beginner level guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and he breaks it out all the time. <laughs> so yeah, when I was a kid, like girl would come over and I felt like I had to play guitar for her yeah. to show her. Well, this would be a girl that came over to see you, not just some random woman. Oh, no, she's like just over to do homework. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I got to show her I can play guitar because that's yeah. what girls like. But there's no natural way to break out a guitar. So you just like, hold on a second. You walk to your closet, come back, tune it for two minutes. Uh -huh. And then play Blackbird. <laughs> <laughs> Blackbirds. See, you, you know, there is a natural way to do it where someone goes, how you doing? And go, I'll tell you I'm doing, but the best way to barely express how I'm doing is with a song. <laughs> and then you get your guitar out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or even more natural. You know, I'll tell you how I'm doing. I'm doing Blackbird singing in the dead of night. <laughs> is that like the only tune you learned? That's, that's my best tune. <laughs> I could play the beginning part to Stairway to Heaven. Now, we were talking about that earlier on yeah. the show. We had a, a, a guy who sits in with us sometime, Bob Rocky, and we were talking about music, and uh, there's we're been the big... Um, lawsuit oh concerning stairway to heaven oh that's right yeah that's and a, crazy and uh, a guy named randy california <laughs> good who, name yeah not his not his real name. oh surprise okay, but uh he was in a band called spirit which i liked spirit i saw a spirit in concert a couple it was a great great band it's so strange that the like 40 years went by before this lawsuit happened well, he had died. Randy California never brought the lawsuit. Oh, okay. His estate brought the long lawsuit. Interesting. And I think what happened was the family had been going through um, whatever, you know, his goods. You know how they go through your stuff? Like, yeah. people go, it's terrible. He died. Let's go in his room. And um, they had found tapes of this song that he had titled Taurus. Uh-huh. And the beginning sounds similar to the beginning to Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. So it was kind of a... And, and those boys have been accused of that sort of thing before. Really? The Led Zeppelin. Well, there was a guy named Willie Dixon. They did a lot of old blues music that they kind of just kind of changed a little bit and said that they wrote it and probably thinking, well, just some guy who's probably dead now. Not doing it. Willie Dixon was one of the great songwriters and a great businessman. One day looks up and goes, those are my songs. Huh. And sued them. He didn't say don't play. He goes, by all means, sell the records. Now that we got this settled, I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. Oh, nice. He was a huge Led Zeppelin fan because he made more money than God off those songs. Made oh, more wow. money than he wrote all the Muddy Water stuff and Holland Wolf stuff. If you know who those yeah, yeah. people are, Willie Dixon was the songwriter and bass player on a lot of their records. I, I love love the Muddy Waters. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. I've been a little more of a Holland Wolf guy. Dylan uh, admitted to stealing a lot of his first song songs on his first album when he was like 20. Well. Yes, his first album was all covers. Co oh, covers, yeah. It was all covers. They, they, uh, Columbia would not allow him. Something Ronkin, a guy named Ronkin. Well, Dave Von Ronk. Yeah, oh, there you okay. go, Okay, Dave Von Ronk. You know. Yeah, Dave Von Ronk, who was known as the mayor of Greenwich Village mm -hmm. and was already kind of like, he was, he was in the worst position in the world, considered by all the local musicians to be the best one. Really? Which means you're never going anywhere. Is that true? Yeah, whoever whoever's like the best in an amateur scene that everybody looks up to, that guy is done. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's the same with comedy for sure. I have I have Dave Von Ronk albums, so I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Did you ever? What was the movie? Um, the movie about folk musicians by the Coen Brothers recently? Um, oh, I don't think I've seen it. It's a great movie, and it's kind of uh, yeah, inside inside oh, Lou and Davis. Davis. Yeah. Uh, when he gives um, when he gives this manager his album. 
it's a it's a replica of one of Dave Von Ronk's albums. Really? The exact cover, only it's the the actors on oh, there. Oh, that's of it. awesome. So uh, how do you how do you like a Dave, the Dave Ronk? Dave Dylan's Ronk a lot better. Albums. So he's yeah, good. Yeah. He's good. Okay, yeah. but what he what supposedly Dylan stole was his uh, arrangement of House of the Rising Sun. Oh, okay. And the story goes that when Dylan was cutting the record, on the, and he went to Dave Von Ronk and said, "Hey, um, Dave, hey Dave, <laughs> do you mind if I?" Uh, this is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, right? do you mind if I uh, do your uh, version of House of the Rising Sun on my album? Dave Von Ronk went, "Well, Bob, I'm planning on doing it on my album," and Bob went. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his arrangement, anyway, that's a public domain song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. I yeah. See. So, uh, that's are funny. you a Dylan fan? Yeah, I do. I'm a big Dylan fan. I've been to five Dylan concerts. I grew up on Dylan. Yeah. Sure. He's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Does he got anything to do with the name? Oh, so I think my dad wanted to name me Bob, ah. but my mom wouldn't allow it. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's a huge Dylan fan. Um, so yeah. I'll, I lo- love love the Bob Dylan. That's what I listen to when I'm when I'm on my own. We, uh, we that's we, we're pretty big Dylan fans, and uh, it's for me it's been Dylan and the Dead. Are you a Deadhead at all? Uh, I have the Dylan and the Dead albums, but I've never really listened to a lot of Dead because they're not known for their albums. Yeah, yeah, so it's I still pretty good stuff. I, I haven't. I don't really. I, I I'm. I just. I haven't heard a lot of Dead other yeah. than. Um, so you grew up, so unlike some people, some people like uh, uh, my daughter likes Bob Dylan and she likes, um, uh, but she's not a big fan of the Grateful Dead or Dwight Yoakam oh. because for far too many times when she was strapped in the backseat of the car as I was driving around, I would play Dwight Yoakam and Grateful Dead music till she grew up hating it. Yeah, yeah. She actually took a uh, class. She went to Santa Cruz and it was a class on, uh, it was the music of the Grateful Dead. She had to take a course. And I said, what's that chorus like? She goes, it's like being in the car with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and they recorded this. Okay, let me tell you what was going on. It was right after Altamont. That's really funny. <laughs> so uh, did, was it your mom and your dad both like Dylan or just? Um, My dad, very into Dylan, played a lot of Dylan for me in the car. Yeah. First live concert, Dylan at the Ohio State Fair. Uh-huh. I have a memory of Dylan, of me being on my dad's shoulders and Dylan waving to me who knows if that memory was true yeah but uh that's my memory could be yeah the type of guy who might wave at a little kid yeah exactly yeah. i think i saw him first time in 74 with the band they oh were, that's awesome yeah and then and i've seen him a lot since yeah. then as, as you get older you just keep going back and seeing the same people you know yeah i mean when i was and when i was a teenager i was like who's gonna be my generation Dylan? and uh when i was 14 uh i got the spin doctors album and I was like, all right, these guys, this is my Bob Dylan. Yeah. Spin Doctors. Yeah. I was like, I'm sticking with these guys. And uh, they, they didn't really come out with more albums. So no. you got to really appreciate a guy that comes out with 60, 65 albums. Yeah. I, I was half of them are great. I was listening to The Tempest yesterday, which is a newer album. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you go and, uh, and you know, he's, he's developed a whole new style with this band yeah. that he plays with. He's, it's, it's got, it, they sound like an old band. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the way the way the sound comes through, that's the sound he's looking for. It, it's almost like the sound you're going to hear through something wooden, like yeah. a wooden radio. It's got that resonance to it. But I was listening to, uh, um, I listened to Duquesne Whistle three times because I just like that oh, cool. little song. If you know if you know the tune, if you know the album. So you like The Tempest? Recommend uh, yeah, it? I like The Tempest. I, 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 I highly recommend it. How do you like the Christmas album? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Can I tell you a funny story that I know? I, 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 it's your time, but uh, I have a friend who's a sound engineer. Uh, I'd love to hear a story. His yeah. name's Shelly Yakis. He was a sound engineer on John Lennon's Imagine album. He used to work with Jimmy Ovine, who farm, you know, created uh, 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 Interscope Records. Yeah. So they went one time. Jimmy came to Shelly and went. Uh, we're supposed to go over and see Bob Dylan. We, we might be able to produce a because they're producers. Produce a Bob Dylan album. So go over and see Bob, and they're sitting there, watching Bob with his band in some place in Hollywood, some uh, some studio. And I said he's going to make his pitch, and he goes over to uh, Dylan. And goes, listen, uh, um, listen, you're doing it all wrong. Here's your idea. Way do it this way, and uh, he got done talking. Bob Dylan goes, Hey, do you know Bing Crosby? made his Christmas album here and turned away from him. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> Doesn't matter. That's and awesome. Jimmy went up to and goes, we need to go. We need to go. I saw him once in a restaurant. People said, you should go over and say hi to him. I go, I can't go over and say hi to someone who I love that much. I have him go, fuck you, I'm eating. You know, I couldn't have that happen, so I never said a word. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got that reputation for being... Cantankerous. Cantankerous, but if it's like... If everybody in the world comes up to you and tells you you're their favorite and they look up to you, like, what do you, how many times are you supposed to be like, thank you? Thank you so much. You'd be like a country artist. Well, bless your heart. You got something you want me to sign? You must, <laughs> oh, get, that, you must get that a lot after a show. You just must be uh, mobbed. Well, after a show, it's my pleasure to sign things or whatever, but I don't have 30,000 people in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have 20,000 people and I don't have to go <laughs> I don't have to go to a uh, a restaurant and uh have people come up and but uh so I I I enjoy it but I yeah I'm not a, I'm not a rock and roll icon either. <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you been in that restaurant ever show in a small town and had the drunk come up to you and go, "Hey, hey, we saw your show." <laughs> yes, I have had that. Yeah. <laughs> the the what I've learned is southern people or, or you know, redneck type will say uh what do they say? Cuz I'm not I don't really have a redneck style of humor. No. But some but sometimes I'll get rednecks laughing, which feels good. And after a show, they'll come up and they'll say things like, "Hey man, you was all right." And at, first, and at first, I was like, you're like, oh, that, I guess they didn't like me. But then you learn that that's a pretty good compliment. Yeah. Yeah, hey, you's all right. We're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 meet my daughter. Because then, then you're like, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite uh, musician? Chris Stapleton? Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're good. Would you say, <laughs> we're going to wrap up soon because Dakota has to take a nap. Uh <laughs> I've known Dakota long enough to know that a nap is important yeah, to him. Dakota's uh, all right. By the way, uh, uh, <laughs> this very funny man is at the uh, Rick Brunson's House of Comedy tonight for two shows, Saturday for two shows, and Sunday. You doing the Sunday show? I'm doing the Sunday. So you're not you're not you're not big shotting them. You're, oh. you're not going. Hey, dude, I'm not doing the Sunday show. Do you know who I am? I've been on Conan. Oh, my agent called me and was like, "Hey, Joe, do you want to big shot these guys?" <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? I, I like them." <laughs> I like them. They're all right. <laughs> let's let them. Let's let them have me on Sunday. <laughs> let's give back to, to the House of Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't download your press packet, damn it. 
I was looking at that. So um, uh, well, let me ask you this. I was watching your stuff. Thank you. Tell me if this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of comics listen to this show. All right. So I always ask at least one or two questions about process. This might sound weird. Okay. But I almost think your method of writing is kind of like Socratic method. That once you ask one question, it leads to another question. You answer that question, but it leads to another question. Like your yeah. Google bit. Right. Okay. Or even like the crow bit. Okay. Yeah, I like that analogy. That, yeah. that one question Socratic leads to another method. question. So it's not tangential. It's not ADHD where you're like flying off going, I was in a, I was in a store today. Look, a bird. You know, <laughs> it's not that, but it could appear tangential because it's this question begets another question. Answer it. That begets another question. Exactly. And I think that's, and I think that's why, uh, Audiences, there are certain comics that only work well in front of certain audiences. I know yes. Southern comics that only work well in the South, yeah. and I, I know Northern comics do terribly in the South. They're very regional, right? But I think your stuff that you have you have to be listened to. It's not like you run out and set off firecrackers. <laughs> hey, everybody, who's drinking? You're not one of those guys. But the minute they start listening to you, it's really fascinating. Thank you. Okay. And I, I, I always this is always the tale of tape for me when I'm watching someone and Shirley's not watching. Because uh, she doesn't like to look at people. She doesn't sure. like to, you know, she saw enough faces on Tinder. I respect that. <laughs> yeah. But I, she'll just be listening and laughing. And we were we were watching your stuff, and she was laughing. And as, <laughs> as a comic, farmer comic, I went, he's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a big compliment. <laughs> so what is your process for writing, though? How did you, you your father was a, in creative writing. Did you, are you formally trained as a writer? Um... I would say my stand-up process is like you. I mean, honestly, you described it as well as I could ever describe it. But I like to free write. Uh huh. So I'll just sit there and write, and the first page will just be nonsense of just me complaining about the day, or uh-huh. you know, doesn't you know, just or what I'm up to that day, and then eventually. Are you writing the whole thing out, or are you just like doing bullet points? How does? Oh, I just write. Um, free flow so it looks like a diary it would look like a diary entry gotcha okay it would look okay. like a diary entry but then i'll start to flow into something that might be a good premise and i'll put like stars by it okay and uh and then i'll just keep flowing on the and then that'll like you said it, that'll lead to another question and you'll and you'll write on that and that'll lead to another question you'll write on that before um, you take it on stage are you pretty sure where the punchline is or the, or the uh, laugh point or whatever phrase, you know? The, f- the very first time on I do something on stage, I'll try to just have um, the, the bullet points in my head. Not of the punchlines, but of the, of the premise. Of the premise. And then I'll just see what comes out. But then after that, I'll try to, I'll try to know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> when did you know? So you started out doing open mic nights and stuff, I'm assuming. Uh-huh. Okay. And when did you... When did there's two things that happen? You begin to notice that something's working, and then somebody else notices something's working. When did you begin to go? Oh, okay, I'm actually coming up with something here. This actually works. Well, how I, how long were you doing it? I mean, like, I know people have done open mic night for years, and nothing ever works. I had a I would say I had a one of those reverse roller coasters where my second open mic ever I was not good, but I just did well at this little coffee shop open mic and I had this, you know, touring veteran comedian happen to show up. Who was it? Um, Johnny Melwater. I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. 
so he just lives in North Carolina and uh, to to me it was like whoa touring comedian mm-hmm. because I was just doing co- coffee shop open mic and uh, and he's super now I know him better very well and he's so enthusiastic and supportive uh-huh. he's the most supportive guy in the world unlike any other comedians would be so he comes up to me he's like oh man you got it you got the stuff you're gonna be great you're gonna be it I'm like this touring comedian says I'm gonna be great this is amazing so then I had that confidence right out of the gate and then I spent like three years bombing <laughs> so but I was like well that touring comedian said I was going to be great so, so you I must, hung on to that so I must so that's what you do when you're starting out you hang on to every sliver of a compliment of hope that somebody gave you yeah yeah and then when did other people begin to notice after three or four years I mean because you've got a fairly impressive resume so oh, it's, you. It, so you don't get that resume unless you know all of a sudden you're you can't bullshit your way into uh, you, you can bullshit your way into one Live at Gotham, you know, but you can't you can't bullshit your way through. And I'm not even putting you can bullshit your way on any one of those type. There's always one person, even to get the improv, Carolines, yeah. any of those where somebody where you go, oh, they bullshitted their way onto the show. But when did other people begin to notice? It was oh uh, very gradual. At no point was I like, oh, <laughs> it's successful now. But but my only sign, my signs of hope were that from other comics, like yeah. Like uh, a comedian I really liked um, after maybe I'd been doing it for three years, a comedian I really liked, a headline I really liked, um, asked me to come feature for him on the road. And I was Who like, was that? Tommy Jonigan. Yeah, okay. I was like, well, if he was bringing me on the road, he, if he likes me, that's a good sign. Yeah. So uh, other comedians, but then it wasn't really till doing it eight years and moving to New York and then getting a, a TV a, a TV thing that I was like, oh, okay, maybe I okay I can make I can make a living. Yeah. Because until you get a true validation, you're always like, hey, can I make a living at this? I don't know. Yeah, and so, you make a living at it now. Yeah. So it wasn't until after I moved to New York and and started breaking through to a few TV spots that I was like. Well, I'm still not, <laughs> but at least I was like that. W- that's the only r- proof of validation of like, okay, I must be doing something right. They put me on TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I must be doing something right. Otherwise, you're like, well, that comedian liked me. <laughs> yeah, there are those weird guys out there who have never done TV who are like killing the clubs. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and they're like stunning, and they've been around forever, but can never do TV. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it's just it's it's a fascinating uh, stand-up comedy is a fascinating culture, fascinating lifestyle. And uh, one of the things I like about doing this show is being able to meet new people who I haven't met before, such as yourself. So, Joe Zimmerman, man, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you for having we me. We appreciate it tons. That was fun. Uh, if you want to see Joe, and you should want to see Joe, uh, and you know what? If you're on the fence, if, you, if you've listened to this entire hour and went, I don't know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Google him and uh, watch, uh, watch some of his sets. You go, okay, this is going to be a fun night. You know, we're going to really enjoy ourselves. He is at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. Easy to get tickets by going to uh, houseofcomedy.net. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, one show Sunday. We're giving back, doing a show Sunday. We're, yeah, you're doing the Sunday show. Uh-huh. We're going to take a brief break, and then when we come back, we'll be wrapping up. You listen to this American podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. <laughs>